Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Welcome in to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast, the official podcast of the Knoxville Ice Bears. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition of the KIB pod, whether you are doing so on Apple, Google, or Spotify. Appreciate you taking the time to check out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. Uh, It was an eventful weekend, and we'll touch up on all of it. Obviously, some crazy stuff happening on New Year's Day that we'll have to go over as well. Hope everybody had a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Um, If you're new to the podcast, kind of recap everything that's gone on in the past week or so for the Knoxville Ice Bears, as well as take a look at what's happening around the Southern Professional Hockey League. And we appreciate you being a part of the show. So be sure to like, follow, subscribe, and download the podcast. However you get your podcast, make sure to do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So Knoxville gets three out of four points. Over the New Year's weekend, on New Year's Eve, Knoxville takes care of business against Vermilion County. Ice Bears got off to a little bit of a slow start, uh, kind of a, a tough bounce for Knoxville early on. That leads to a one nothing lead for Vermilion County. The Ice Bears tie the game. They give up the lead. They end up pulling ahead, and Knoxville does what it needs to do to get the two points on New Year's Eve, Dino Balsamo with two goals, including the equalizer and the game winner, and then Justin McDonald tapped in the empty netter for a 4-2 to win for Knoxville. And for the Ice Bears, kind of ended a December that was very back and forth. Knoxville went 5-5 five and five in the month of December. They had a five-game or a four-game win streak that was kind of sandwiched between three, two three-game skids. Uh, and before getting a win there at the end of the month, that first three-game losing streak, obviously beginning at the end of November. So dropped the first two games of December, won the next four, lost the next three, and then got the final one on on New Year's Eve. I'm obviously dealing with attrition, sickness at the beginning of the month, call-ups during the month, a couple of injuries, suspensions. Obviously, a, a Knoxville team that I think is going to try to find some consistency and continuity over the course of the season. And then on New Year's Day, Knoxville falls to Birmingham 3-2 to in overtime. Obviously, a lot of crazy things happening during the course of this game. Halfway through the second period, there was a scuffle that broke out. Uh, cameras did not catch what started the fight, but long story short, we ended up having several separate fights going on and two players from each team were ejected Bailey Conger and Sasha Wall for Knoxville and then Mackenzie Dwyer uh, was tossed along with Jonathan Pace for Birmingham and I would imagine that there are suspensions coming Tuesday afternoon that's when we're expected to get the final word Um, obviously there was video of Nick Minerva of Birmingham throwing a throat slash gesture over to Sasha Waugh. That video has been uh, caught by our, our camera crew, so we'll, we'll see what all the league decides to do. I don't know if there were additional penalties that were going to be 
handed out. Nick Price was given a two-minute minor for slashing. Minerva was given a, a minor for roughing. And then a bench minor was called against Knoxville, which is how the Ice Bears ended up shorthanded after all of that. Uh, two other players were sent to the box for fighting without game misconduct, so they were allowed to remain in the game. Uh, just a, a wild scene that kind of delayed the game for about 15 minutes. And that was when the score was tied at one. Both teams scored early in the third, and Knoxville gave up a power play goal in overtime. And obviously it was a, it was an odd sequence as to what happened towards the end of the game. And so I think I would imagine that there could have been some confusion for anybody watching or listening to that game. And I think the officials at times were a little bit puzzled at how everything escalated. But what happened was if you were unable to tune in or make the game that night with the score tied at two with about two and a half minutes remaining in regulation, Rasmus Waxen Engback was called for a two minute minor for boarding. Uh, no question. Hit the guy from behind, threw him into the boards right in front of the Knoxville bench. It's an easy two minute minor. Knoxville was upset, not because of the penalty, but because and caught on video, Colton Fletcher had been uh, appeared to be cross checked in the side of his head moments before that penalty occurred. And so Knoxville voicing their displeasure about, hey, how can you call that on Wax and Angback, but you don't see this other penalty, ultimately resulted in Knoxville taking another bench miner. So the Ice Bears are now down a five on three. Less than 10 seconds after that, Justin McDonald gets called for cross-checking. Um, I don't know if I saw a full-blown cross-check. I saw the play in the corner. I believe it was Ryan Romeo who fell after the hit. Evan Reddick, the referee, is on the opposite corner while a a, a bunch up and a tie up is going on on the near side. I don't. I I thought it was a bit of a, a soft call, but a, a call nonetheless. So McDonald goes to the box. So Knoxville already on a five on three now has to wait until Wax and Engback's penalty expires before McDonald's penalty clock can progress. And so what happens before that, however, is Troy McTavish is called for a two-minute minor for hooking Tanner Salisbury. So now the Ice Bears are skating four-on-three. Well, what happened as Waxen Engback's penalty was getting ready to expire with about 30 seconds left to go in regulation, the penalty box door is open for Waxen Engback by the off-ice official. So naturally, Waxen Engback looks up and sees that his penalty has expired. The door is open for him. So he gets out and leaves. Now, because Justin McDonald still had another staggered penalty, the rule is, is that Wax and Engback should have remained in the box until the next stoppage of play. He would have then been allowed to return to the game. Knoxville still would have had to remain with three skaters on the ice because Colton Fletcher's penalty had not expired yet. It was going to uh, just a few seconds after Wax and Engback's penalty. And what ended up happening was... Wax Nangback comes onto the ice. Evan Reddick blew the play dead and gave Knoxville a two-minute bench minor for too many men on the ice. So uh, what was about to happen was we were about to be skating four-on-four. Four. So Knoxville would have stayed at four-on-three. Then that penalty would have expired. And to be honest, I'm not entirely too sure what would have happened then because Knoxville was still supposed to have three men on the ice. But when Colton Fletcher's penalty expired, I don't know if that would have allowed Wax Nangback to get back on the ice, Fletcher's penalty to get back on the ice. I'm not entirely too certain how that would have played out. My guess is that Wax and Engback, since he had served the length of his penalty first, that he would have been allowed to return to the ice, and Knoxville would have been back to skating 
four on four with Troy McTavish still being in the penalty box. Well, instead, Knoxville's given a two-minute minor for too many men on the ice, and this is just moments away from, according to the clock that I'm looking at right now, this is four seconds away from Fletcher's penalty expiring. So now Knoxville still has Colton Fletcher in the box for another four seconds, Justin McDonald in the box for nearly the full two minutes of his power play, and now Nick Price serving a two-minute bench minor for too many men on the ice, which means Price's penalty doesn't begin until Fletcher serves the last four seconds of his penalty. So long story short, we go to the end of regulation with the score still tied, but Knoxville still with two penalties intact. Now, Troy McTavish still had about 54 seconds remaining on his penalty. So Birmingham begins overtime skating four on three. Obviously, there's a ton of open ice there. Stefan Brucato is found right in front of the crease. He's able to slip the puck out to his right to the left circle to Jake Papalardo, who beats Bailey McBurney up top. It's unfortunate. It's what happened. Credit to Knoxville for being able to fight off a bunch of penalties um, at the end of the game just to get a point in the standings. Obviously, it's frustrating because, once again, Knoxville had a third-period lead that it couldn't hang on to. And also, Knoxville gave up three power play goals. All five goals scored in the game were on the power play. Um, obviously, the the number of power plays is frustrating, but Birmingham went three for eight on the power play. Knoxville went two for seven. Eight power plays is not a, an unheard of number in the SPHL. And so, Knoxville's had a game this season against Birmingham where they went eight for eight on the penalty kill against Birmingham. And, and so, I don't want to put the blame solely on the penalty kill, but... I would also say you you have to, especially in a low-scoring game, you can't give up three power play goals in a game where points are so important. And so while, yes, I, I think Evan Reddick mishandled the situation, um, I don't think he's solely the reason that Knoxville lost on Sunday night. Now, uh, discussing with Ice Bears team president and general manager Mike Murray, who spoke with Jim Doyle, the SPHL director of officials, uh, it was kind of communicated to Mike Murray that in the situation where Rasmus Waxen-Engback was allowed to be back on out onto the ice, and the question that I asked on the broadcast was, why should Knoxville be punished for an error? And it was an honest mistake by the off-ice official, but he shouldn't have opened the door. He did. The player in question, Waxen-Engback, naturally went out onto the ice, and I think any player in that situation would have done that. So it was communicated to it was communicated to Mike Murray that what should have happened in that situation is Evan Reddick should have a prior to that made sure that the off ice official knew what was happening that hey when this first penalty expires don't open the door because they still have to remain with three players on the ice and then when play stops we can let Waxenang back out of the ice and or out of the box and he can go back onto the ice he can go back to his bench however Knoxville chooses to utilize their on ice personnel and and that's what should have happened then but since that didn't happen what Evan Reddick should have been done and this was told to us again by Jim Doyle the director of officiating for the Southern Professional Hockey League they should have stopped play reset either sent Waxenang back back to the box or sent him over to the bench kept Knoxville with three skaters and then played on but it appears that a penalty should not have been given in that situation. And I know if you're an Ice Bears fan, hearing that, it's very frustrating. I'll also say this. 
if a penalty is not given in that circumstance and everything else plays out the same way, here's the situation that we're looking at. Waxenangback's penalty expires with about 28 seconds left to go in regulation, so Justin McDonald's penalty clock would then start. Colton Fletcher would be able to come out of the box, so you're skating four on four for the last 30 seconds or so of, uh, or about the last nine seconds or so of regulation. Justin McDonald is killing off the first 30 seconds of his cross-checking minor. So when we go to overtime, teams would have been skating at even strength. They, they would have been skating even. They would have each had one man in the box. They, they likely would have been skating three on three. It would have been four on three for Birmingham for about 30 seconds with Troy McTavish uh, serving the rest of his penalty. And then McDonald would have had to serve the first 90 seconds of overtime, give or take, uh, which means the Ice Bears uh, would have still been on the penalty kill for about 30 seconds. It would have given Birmingham an abbreviated power play. Now, that's a little bit different than the situation that Knoxville was facing where they had two men in the box and McTavish was due to come out uh, even if Birmingham doesn't score there. So Birmingham scores 43 seconds into the period uh, and, and unfortunate to see Knoxville take the loss, but you're at least looking at Knoxville beginning overtime at even strength and having at least a small window of time to maybe get the game-winning goal before they have to go back on the penalty kill. Who knows? So you're frustrated in the sense that you would have at least liked a shot for Knoxville, and that didn't happen, but it also doesn't guarantee that Knoxville gets the win. And that's the frustrating thing about it. So I'll reiterate, you can't give up three power play goals in a game. And Knoxville has had games like that. And I I realize it is the third time this season, well, really the third time in the past month, I guess, where a questionable penalty has been called, against Knoxville, a power play goal has been scored, and Knoxville has lost the game by one. Uh, it's happened It happened in both games in December against Roanoke, and it's happened here. I will also say this. You, you can't give up power play goals. And I, I think that's one area that I'm sure Brent Clark really wants to emphasize. And early in the season, he was talking about wanting more effort on the penalty kill. And for a while, in the middle of December, Knoxville was looking really good on the PK unit. And... Now you're seeing this stretch where Knoxville's giving up power play goals. So I, I think for, I mean, they gave up three in the two games against Huntsville earlier in December. And now you have to go back to Huntsville for the front end of a home and home on Friday. And you're going to play Huntsville four times this month. So if special teams are going to be a part of the equation, Knoxville's got some work to do. So yes, the officiating is very frustrating. Um, and it, again, it's been communicated to the Ice Bears by the league that Evan Reddick should not have called a penalty there. He should have reset the the scene because simply because for the fact that Knoxville didn't deserve to be punished for an error that the off-ice official made. It's an awesome mistake by the by the off-ice official. It's it's really unfortunate. I hate that situation for everybody because the off-ice official probably feels bad that something like that happened that he made a mistake that you know arguably impacted the outcome of the game. Knoxville's obviously upset because well, the loss and all the penalties there towards the end of the game. And I'm sure Evan Reddick's not happy about it because it's it's an ugly situation. I don't think officials enjoy situations like that, and they have to decipher what's a rough situation. But, you know, I know for Mike Murray, he doesn't want officials coming to Knoxville where they just get blown up by fans and coaches for two, two and a half hours. You don't want that coming in. And, and so officiating has been a central topic of conversation now around a handful of Ice Bears games. And it's been on both ends. I mean, when Knoxville beat Quad City in the second game of that two-game weekend, you know, fans were frustrated about a goal that they thought they had scored that was disallowed. 
uh, that would have tied the game with about two minutes to go. So, you know, it's it's obviously been a heavy topic of conversation. If you heard my appearance on the Inside the SPHL podcast with James Hayes back in December, uh, it was it was something that we spent time talking about. But it's also not the reason that Knoxville is losing games. You know, Knoxville's Knoxville has lost four of its last five home games, and in all four of those losses, they had a substantial lead or a third period lead. You know, they had a third period lead against Birmingham. They had a third period lead against Roanoke. They had a third period lead against Huntsville. They actually led three to nothing in the first period of that game. And they had a third period lead against Pensacola before losing in a shootout. So think about that four games where you have a third period lead and you have two points in those games, in those four games and no wins. And so that's that's where a tiebreaker comes into play. Like, well, is it you know would it be better to have two overtime losses instead of one win and three regulation losses? It would it would be better to have the win. You'd rather have the win because that's your tiebreaker right now. And so if you look at the SPHL standings, Knoxville is in a three way tie for fourth place in the league. Peoria has thirty two points. Roanoke has thirty two points. Evansville has thirty points. Huntsville, Birmingham, and Knoxville all have twenty nine points. And Knoxville has played more games than Huntsville and Birmingham. So from a point percentage standpoint, it's, you know, that tie works out in Huntsville and Birmingham's favor, but the records are almost identical. Huntsville, 14-8-1. Birmingham, 14-8-1. Knoxville, 13-8-3. And And so the fact that Huntsville and Birmingham have more wins than Knoxville does, that's the tiebreaker that separates Huntsville and Birmingham. So it's really important that you start picking up wins and obviously you want to pick up points in a way that you can but I, I think you feel better about picking up points when you're able to force overtime late or you're getting that tying goal and then he like hey we could have lost in regulation but we managed to get a point in the standings instead Knoxville is able to see the finish line with two points potentially intact and instead the Ice Bears have left arguably six points on the board in four of their last five home games. And so I'm not just trying to dog on the team here, but I think it's very important that that the the organization kind of looks internally, okay, officiating has kind of been a controversial topic. What can we do better to make sure that we're not in that situation? Penalty kill is one place to start. Uh, finding ways to close out games. Rex Moe talked about that earlier in the weekend. He said, we've got to do a better job at closing out games. And then when I asked him, you know, what stood out about the you know, really the last three games during that losing streak when they lost to Roanoke and they lost two games to Huntsville, Mo said, we've, we've got to be better about closing out games. And he's right. And it bit Knoxville on Sunday where Kyler Matthews scores a great power play goal to give Knoxville a two to one lead. And a minute and 15 seconds later, Knoxville's taken a penalty and given up a power play goal. So it's a situation where there are other things outside of officiating that can be done. It doesn't justify the officiating. There, there's been um, there's been some tough moments, I think, for officials across the league this year. And that's not just in Knoxville. I remember hearing a few weeks ago, Corey Melkert, Fayetteville's head coach, uh, in his pregame interview, getting ready to play a game against Knoxville, where they had only met once that season. Um, he kind of dug in to the officiating that season. He said, hey, you know, there was a controversial call that had happened in their game the night before against a different team. And he was asked about that by voice of the marksman, Drew Blevins. And Corey Melkert said, it's not the first time that the SPHL officiating has been really bad this year. So other teams are experiencing it. Uh, I don't want to get into this whole the SPHL's out to get Knoxville situation. Because um, I would also say this, Knoxville leads the league in power play chances. 
uh, by a wide margin. Knoxville has 117 power play opportunities this year. The next closest team is 19 chances behind them. So you kind of do the math. Yes, Knoxville has been shorthanded almost more than any other team in the league. Evansville has the most. Knoxville is second. Quad City's third. But Knoxville has been on the power play more times than it has been shorthanded. And what's really hurting Knoxville right now is the penalty kill. And I'll also just go ahead and say, this has been an awful year for special teams. Like If you're a defensive special teams coach in this league, you've been pulling your hair out this year because normally they're like, there are a few teams that normally have really solid penalty kills. Like taking a look last year, there were there were eight teams in the SPHL last season that had a penalty kill percentage higher than 81%. There were five teams with a penalty kill percentage higher than 82. This season right now, as we near the halfway point of the year, nobody has a penalty kill percentage of 82%. Everyone is less than 82%. We have three teams that have 81%. Peoria has 80%. Knoxville has a 78% penalty kill rate and is fifth out of 11 teams in the SPHL. So the special teams numbers are a little bit odd. Uh, you know, maybe officiating has something to do with the number of penalties being given, with the number of power play chances not being given in certain situations. I don't know. But... Man, it, it's been power play goals galore across the league this season because there is not a single... The, the highest penalty kill percentage last year was 88%. I mean, Knoxville traditionally has a top three penalty kill unit and is usually somewhere above 86 87%. And we've seen that for years. And not just with Jeff Carr. I mean, that was a staple under Mike Cragen as well. And now Knoxville is in the top half of the league in penalty kill percentage despite only being at 78%. So... It just kind of something to point out the way that the league has gone this year. It has looked very, very different. Knoxville uh, is also towards the top of the league. Actually, they are the top of the league in power play goals. More power play goals than anybody else. Power play percentage is down in sixth. But part of that is because when you get a lot of power play chances, okay, if you're going one for five every game, that means you're getting a power play goal every game. The percentage doesn't look great. But it also means that you're spending a lot of time where the other team really can't do a whole lot offensively. And Knoxville's only, it's listed here that Knoxville's only given up one shorthanded goal. I believe they've actually given up two, but both of those came in a game where Knoxville won. So you, you kind of look at it like from a special team standpoint, okay, there are some things that Knoxville's doing well. There's just a lot of room for improvement, but especially on that penalty kill because Knoxville's had some of those close games this year where they've given up multiple power play goals that they've ended up losing. That's an area where if you clean up the PK, maybe you really start to see some elevated progression for the Ice Bears moving into the second half of the season. So the Ice Bears have a home-and-home home series against Knoxville or against Huntsville coming up this week. They will be in Huntsville on Friday, be back at home for Superhero Night on Saturday. Uh, the game at Huntsville will drop the puck at 8 o'clock Eastern time and then 7.35 Eastern time back in Knoxville on Saturday. We hope you'll join us on 105.1 WKCE. Suspensions are expected to be coming. I don't know for who expected to be coming for Knoxville and Birmingham based on what happened on New Year's Day. Uh, we'll find out probably sometime on Tuesday afternoon and we'll go from there. But it's been a wild and wacky year in the SPHL. I don't expect anything to change with a big schedule for Knoxville coming up in January. But that also means, yes, the schedule is tough. It also means you have an opportunity to take points away from some really good teams. I'm Joel Silverberg. Thank you for listening to the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.